Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Was just saying the last Monday of 2020, and I think no better, stronger words have been said when we want to get this year over with and and head into the new year. Unfortunately, that's what we're kind of seeing when we look at this market trade today. We've got those holiday doldrums going on, a lot of year-end wrapping up going on, guys that maybe are trying to get some grain sold before year-end for the tax man or, or looking into what they're going to be doing marketing in the beginning of 2021. Not only that, what is January going to bring for our producers to the South in South America? What concerns has this weather impact had and will it continue for them? We'll also go over to China, their big all-time highs in corn imports. We're going to talk about that and some interesting things happening in Taiwan. Ractopamine looks like they're going to get some pork and then add to it all, we're going to get an update what's going to happen in the dairy industry. And with that key term that tells you who I'm talking to today, it's Sean Hackett. He is with Hackett Financial Advisors. And, and Sean, I want to start right there holiday doldrums by the way first of all merry christmas and uh, a happy new year to you and your family we seem to be stuck yeah you know look it's pretty usual normal unless you have a real unusual driver for the markets to get sleepy uh in at the end of the year everyone's on vacation if you had a good year you don't want you don't want to mess it up in the last week and this capital flows index rebalancing it's just a real messy time of the year, and it's hard to get any trends going. And when in doubt, there tends to be some selling here at the end of the year, um, especially if, you have, if, if, if a particular market has had a good run like the grains have had. Uh, it's a time where typically that's not unusual to see, and it's probably going to continue, uh, we think, into the first week of, the, of January before you know maybe we can get that out of our system and start looking ahead of, of what's really going to drive these markets, which is South American weather during a critical Jan-Feb period of time, and what kind of production and exports can we expect out of them, um, given that the Chinese have picked the bone pretty clean here in the U.S. since August. So, so looking at what we're seeing, obviously the marketing threshold is going to start changing to focus on 2021 and really watching what's happening to our neighbors in the South because Mother Nature's been not too kind to them in many areas. Yeah, I mean, they're in a drought cycle. They've been in a drought cycle you know, in most areas of Brazil and in Argentina, you know, throughout this period, but we want to emphasize, Susan, that um, that does not mean that we have bad crops baked in the cake. They, it, it, think of it this way. You know, if, if we have dry weather in April, May, and June, that means we're off to a bad start, but it doesn't mean that we're necessarily going to have terrible crops. We can still get bailed out. If, if July and August, for example, is good for, weather for us, they can still get bailed out if January, February is good for them. And so, the market understands that you know it's there's still time, not much time. There's still time to get a better weather pattern, but we are going to be moving into the moment of truth from mid-January onward, and that's probably where the markets are going to start, you know, getting more um, alive again and, and trying to determine what that exactly looks like. So, having said that, what are you hearing from folks um, to the south as you talk to not only your clients but your contacts? What are they feeling right now with this crop? Right now, the way we're, we're understanding it um, and what we're hearing is that Argentina's crops are probably the one most at risk for irreparable, um, irreversible damage. Um, and they're likely to see be the, you know, we really are running out of the runway for, for, for Argentina, meaning we, if we don't get really get a, a significant surge in moisture here by mid-January, we're going to have to start dying down crops for corn and soybeans pretty significantly. So 
if we were to place you know a, a, some chips on the table about where we would think the market may get excited again, we would be focusing on Argentina right now. We think there's been enough spotty rain, scattered rainfall in enough areas for Brazil that we're not, you know, we don't think that that's going to excite the market uh, quite yet. We think Argentina is the one to be looking for. And right now, from what we see in our work, I think we think that, that, that January is going to be too dry and we're going to have to start dialing down this crop. Now, bear in mind, they sell bean meal and bean oil, not soybeans directly, but of course that will can impact uh, demand for our byproducts and of course demand for soybeans here. So we would be looking at Argentina, Susan, for some fireworks possibly by mid-January. So what does that mean for the producer that says, well, I've held on to my grain and looking at the weather that they're having? Well, I mean, I, what it says to me, in what we've been saying in our report, Susan, is that right now with the kind of supply-demand situation we're looking at, with the kind of weather we're looking at, the kind of weather we expect to see in, in the United States uh, in, in our growing season, which we think is not going to be favorable, you know, we think you want to be storing as much grain in the bin as you can. Obviously, you, know, you always have to make sure you can fund your operations, you sell enough bushels to make sure that you keep going. Um, but we'd be pretty um, wanting to hold long and strong on, on cash, soybeans and cash corn right now. Um, we think there's, a, there's reason to believe that there might be some better pricing as we fully price in what South America looks like, and there might be a better opportunity to be more aggressive on marketing next year's crop, you know? Looking at, and since we're talking imports quick before we go to break, we've everybody talks about China, and it seems to automatically be linked to talk of soybeans, but corn imports for them are at an all-time high. So good news for our producers there. It's very good news. Um, you know, corn uh, exports to China have been far and few between, um, but the fact that they have bought so aggressively, so persistently, and because prices in China are, are have risen so dramatically, you know, for all these years, the Chinese have said we have so much corn, we'll never run out. And there's always been a big question mark whether that was a true statement from the Chinese or not. Their back crop this year, from all the flooding that they had, finally called them on the carpet. Do you, in fact, have that corn in your country or not? And the answer is they do not. And now they've been forced to buy corn at a level that is inconsistent with what they've said all along. And that changes the profile of corn and says they're going to be big buyers of U.S. corn for the foreseeable future, and we have not priced the corn market for that reality, and, th- and that I think that's kind of what we're starting to do. You know, we this corn market's been just edging up steadily. We do have a lot more coming up. Here on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Susan Littlefield as we continue our conversation with Sean Hackett. And of course, Sean, I wanted to talk first of all about this dairy industry as I had uh, spoke with some folks from one of the, from the Edge Dairy Cooperative. They were talking about some of their biggest concerns for this dairy industry going into 2021 or almost a repeat of what we've seen this year from, from food labeling to, to current milk prices to being able to get the most out of the product that they're developing. What are you hearing? line when it comes to the dairy industry right the biggest concern is just the significant government involvement in the purchase of physical cheese from the market that they've been doing really since the pandemic hit in the spring and the problem with that uh, susan is that um buying so much cheese and for the food box program that they've been buying has distorted uh, prices higher than they would be otherwise and it's given a price signal to producers to 
you know, increase the dairy herd, which is now growing rapidly. I mean, three production the last month is, if we haven't found milk production in the U.S. in four or five years, it, it's concerning because if and when the government ever stops buying cheese and we are left to the open market to have to absorb all this supply, it's setting up for kind of a train wreck. And I think the biggest concern is that the government might have distorted the milk market. In the beginning, it was a good thing, you know, try to help the dairymen out, to try to help the industry out during a really difficult time when they were dumping milk on the ground. But now they may actually have done too much of a good thing and could create, you know, a, a worse hangover later. And so there's a big concern. How is all this going to be resolved um, when, when they eventually back away? And it's, 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 a, really, um, it's, it's a really unfortunate uh, situation to be in. And so we're just trying to make sure our producers uh, continue to protect downside price risks in the event that the government walks away from buying cheese. Because if they do, you know, we could be right back the kind of low prices that we were talking about a year ago, which were you know, pretty devastating to the industry. So that's the biggest concern I'm hearing. So be prepared and, and move forward. Be prepared, move forward, and, and just remember, um, government um, does a lot of good things, but they can't be relied on to always be there all the time, and we would be uh, very mindful of that and, and make sure that you have a plan B in case you're left to have to deal with the real market again. And, and that, to me, is a sensible strategy for 2020. Prices are very good in the mid-17s out to the end of the year. There's no reason not to make sure you can protect and lock that price. That will work for most dairymen until we know what, what the government's really up to with the new Biden administration. Yeah, because I was looking at the Class 3 milk, and it looked like it was like 1770-ish. So kind of creeping towards that $18 mark, which would be nice to see. That's a nice price, um, and, 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 and that's a price that with all the uncertainties over what the government involvement will be under a Biden administration, hard for us not to think that protecting that price, Susan, right now and making sure that you can get that level fairly well locked in is not a bad thing to do. We think it is something that Darren ought to be thinking to do very, uh, you know, very aggressively here to make sure that no matter what happens, 2021 is going to be a good year for them. So, well, with Taiwan approving U.S. pork imports with ractopamine, does that bring us some good news, hopefully, for the pork industry? Well, look, the Chinese demand is going to start to fall You know, from what it was this past year. Their hog herd is growing. Their pork supplies are growing. Um, their imports of U.S. pork are going to start to fall um, this coming season. So somebody has to come up and pick up the lost pace. And so anywhere we can find new demand, whether it's Taiwan or we can get it from someplace else, we're going to need that demand so that we don't so that we're not looking at unattractive prices later in the season you know if the chinese pull back on their imports you know significantly which we think they're going to do so so it's a good sign is it enough we don't think it's enough but you got to start somewhere to, to rebuild new demand from other sources and finally what are your thoughts on the way that we've seen this cattle market trade we continue to think that the supply side of the equation is bullish um meaning the cattle on feed numbers are looking attractive to us Imports from Australia are going to be way off because of their uh, drought-ending rebuilding of their cattle herd. Um, and we think that overall, you know, that's going to lead to kind of a grinding market higher into your typical, traditional, seasonal early spring high. So we're, we're, you know, we're not looking at any fireworks or runaway advances, but we think this market can work higher into the spring based upon that. All right, sounds good. We're going to wrap up a 2020. Last time we're going to talk this year. Final thoughts on how this marketing year has gone? 
Well, I think this market, this marketing year has reminded everybody that markets can, in fact, go up. Um, we've had actually the biggest up move since August we've seen in a long, long time. And we do think we're entering a more dynamic period using a better demand, more challenging supply equation, and better pricing. And so we would think uh, and would uh, communicate to your listeners that we think we've turned a corner and that better times are ahead after a long eight-year period of difficult pricing. We think in some weird way the pandemic actually was the trigger that got these ag markets back going again. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Best place to go is our website at Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Reminder, folks, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss are not suitable for all investors. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all of your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.